Praise the Lord. You may be seated. It is good to be in the house of the Lord, and I started a lesson several weeks ago on a Wednesday night and then touched on it on a Sunday, and, and we looked at it uh, <clears throat> coming uh, last Wednesday and, and kind of went through some things real quickly about changing our minds and the importance of the mind and that sense of what is going on in our mind and how the enemy uses that as in fact a battleground, a battlefield of the mind. And I know Joyce Myers wrote a book <clears throat> entitled that many years ago. And I, uh, you know, I know we understand that, we've heard that, we recognize <clears throat> the battlefield that is in our ears. As a matter of fact, I uh, visited with a pastor today for uh, an hour or so uh, from the state of Maine who um, <clears throat> was been battling uh, Lyme's disease. And I thought of Sister Carly Brown here who battled that as well. And, and, and he talked about just some of uh, the mental anguish and some of the mental uh, battles that he had been facing and we were visiting about that, praying about that. He, <clears throat> I knew him, he had picked me up several years ago when I went to Maine and did a marriage seminar there and uh, he and his wife picked my wife and I up and drove us to uh, uh, the venue where we were speaking and so uh, he was just uh, feeling overwhelmed, and I and I understand it is. He's not alone. He's not alone in this, and I I know um, <clears throat> somewhat because of points of refuge. Somewhat I get uh, a number of calls and a number of visits, and I <clears throat> of individuals, and yet. I know I'm only looking at the tip of the iceberg, uh, so to speak, because uh, that many of you and, and you that, and I carry some of your burdens with regard to the anguish and the overwhelming things that you find in <clears throat> dealing with your mind. And I know, um, in fact, uh, you know, it is that in this moment, in this hour, uh, getting inundated, as I, I said, I, we met uh, actually with uh, uh, an, another pastor and his wife just uh, here in Newark, and and they were dealing with issues that had nothing to do with them, but having to do with their children and overwhelming. And I, we've all been in those kinds of moments, and I think somewhat. We've seen that increased, and part of that is the result of the pandemic. Part of it is the result of the hour in which we're living, in as much as that we are living in an hour of great stress, and yet at the end time, the Bible says, many shall be offended, and it's easy to get 
a wrong perception going and in this society. And I used this illustration last week, and I, I didn't spend a long time about it. I was trying to punch through all of those slides, and I'm not going to spend a long time about it now, but I, I want to draw your attention to the, the one wall where it says this is true, and it's the orange, uh, the shadow of the square, and on the other wall is it says this is true, and it's the shadow of the circle, and yet in the truth is it is a cylinder, and it's not a square, and it's not a circle, but it's a cylinder, and it's hard sometimes to get off of the perception of what I have seen. This actually happened. And yet, if I step back, if I step back a couple of steps, sometimes I can then realize that there is a truth that is bigger than what I am seeing shown in front of my face. If I were to stand there and look, I could say, absolutely, there's a light shining on a square. Absolutely, there's a light shining on a circle. I might go as far as to say, well, maybe it's a, 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 a globe, but probably would never, might say it's a sphere, but I, I would never believe that it was a cylinder, probably. It would not be in my mind. I might say, well, it's a round ball, or it's some sort of a circular object, not thinking potentially that it could be a cylinder. And so when you realize that the, the Lord was wanting to bring wellness and wholeness to us, and yet <clears throat> the enemy's job is to focus on one negative aspect or one problem, you know, going all the way back to the Garden of Eden when <clears throat> the Lord looked at Eve <clears throat> and basically said, uh, uh, he had told Adam, you can't eat, you can eat of every tree except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam, of course, set up the standard and we know what happened. And here Eve then is listening to the enemy who says, God doesn't want you to have this. God knows that you'll be like God. And he tried to change her viewpoint. And here was somebody who loved them, gave them a perfect environment, did all this for them, but she couldn't back up and see it. And when she was there, she was focused on what she had. And of course, that means in this hour, if, if we believe, and I do believe, but if we believe that the, we're living in the last days and we're living in the end times, then I would have to say we know that, that the pressure is increasing. We know that the stress levels are increasing. And we know that the Lord is doing his best to get us ready from the inside out to clean us up and to get everything out of us and to get us in unity and harmony and all of the above, which is what the Lord tried to tell the Pharisees and the Sadducees when you read in Matthew, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites for they pray uh, so that they can be seen of men. We, I, you know, obviously I know I, I re realize I'm on Wednesday night talking to the choir and you're not 
not the, you know, SMO, Sunday morning only crowd. I get it. You're those that love the word, love to be in the house of God. I understand that. But if there was ever a time that we have folks that, you know, it, it's that, okay, what an hour for us. It has to be genuine, real relationship with God, not from the teeth out. Not everybody that just says, Lord, Lord, I love you. Do they really love him? You know, how much? And he got, other places, Mark, he said, you've made the word of God of none effect. How? Through tradition, which you've delivered, like so many things that you do. And, and so the Lord was trying to explain to them, here were people that were supposedly religious. They were meticulous about paying their tithes. They were meticulous about trying to avoid sin. They were meticulous about keeping the law. Not going to lie. Not going to commit adultery. I'm not going to, and it goes through all the list. But yet they had somehow shut themselves off from a relationship with God. In Luke, he said, now, under the Pharisees, you clean the outside of the cup and then and the platter, and then the inward part is full of ravening and wickedness, another place, dead men's bones. So when you realize that the Lord wanted authentic Christians, authentic children of God that are real on Sunday, real on Monday, real on Tuesday, real on Wednesday, real on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, not Christians from 10 o'clock Sunday morning till noon. Not Christians when everything's going good. He wanted people to be Christians, and I get it. I know I should do this on, to all the smos. <clears throat> but in reality, here we are. And look the 16th chapter. He said, you can justify yourself before men. And you can tell me why, you know, why you need to be angry, why you need to, why you need to be frustrated, why you need to have fear, why, why it's okay for you to be depressed, why it's okay. I get it. I understand. I, I understand chemical imbalances. I understand all of that. But at some point, you know, and you can say, well, this is how I was raised. I get that. I understand all of that. I understand learning these things. I understand. But guess what? The Lord knows your heart. And, and that's where being honest is going to be so important in this hour because it says, for that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. And he goes on down and he again said, when you pray, they, they think they're heard. But that's why the Bible is very clear. Paul said, let a man examine himself. Whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves. Prove yourself. And I could go through. I've given the sheet out before where, you know, uh, you, know you look, well, am I, am I diligent about 
reading the word? Am I consistent about trying to line myself up? Ask the Lord. Am I, am I a doer of the word? Am I regularly worshiping the Lord? Am I faithful to the house of God? Am I putting off anger? Am I, am I putting on forgiveness? Am I, am I, you know, when a conflict arises, do I immediately say, Lord, what are you trying to teach me out of this? Or do I blame, you know, you could go through, that's how you examine yourself according to the word of God. When things happen, is my first response to seek God, my first response to pray, my first response to get in touch with the Lord, call somebody to say, pray with me. Or is my first response, I've got to solve this, I've got to do this, I've got to... I, I realize I'm not, you know, I'm not the doctor. I'm not saying, you know, if you fall over and you're having chest pains, call 911. I, don't call me first. I'm not, I'm not ridiculous, but at the same time, I, I, my heart should be, my first response is to honor God, worship God, love God. Touch God. Huh? Why? Because I am a child of God. And so, you know, Paul wasn't the only one that said examine yourself. John said look to yourselves that we lose not the things that we've wrought. Check yourself out. Corinthians, Paul also told him in 1 Corinthians, you know, let him that thinks he stands take heed. Take heed to whom? Thyself, lest I fall. Why? And because we're living in an hour where self, and I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago or whenever the first part of this changed your mind, when our self is so, that's what Paul said to Timothy, men in this hour shall be lovers of whom? themselves. And I realize, the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. And you know, we'll often say, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. But it does not go into detail how important it is to love yourself. Why? Because everybody knows how to do that. We have a whole society about self-worth, is your self-worth important? No. It's not more important than what's God. What is God worth to you? Right. Huh. I, well, I'm, I'm important, Pastor. Yes, but how much more important is yes. my relationship with him? Well, my self-assurance. I want to have assurance. I want to know that people there are, I want to know, I want to know. But wait a minute. <laughs> I want God to know who I am. I want God to know where I am. I want God to know my name. Self-love? No. I, my first love is who? Him. Self-assertiveness? No. It's not about me. <clears throat> it's about I want to assert what the Lord is doing. You know, well, you need to let them know how you feel. Is that showing the love of God? I, I, I don't know that Jesus told everybody everything that he felt. He humbled himself. 
Self-confidence? No, my confidence is not in me. It's in God. Self-esteem? No, not my esteem. In God. Righteousness? No, my righteousness is as filthy rags. I was talking to Brother Todd Brown before service and he talked about the Holy Ghost just sort of putting a sour taste in his mouth when he knew he was doing something that was displeasing to God. That's what it's all about. It's not about, okay, well, here's the, you know, here's what I said, here's the rule, and here's number five, and here's number seven, and here's number eight. It said, hopefully, I realized that there's, I would be nothing without. And so I listened to his voice. I listened to the voice of the presence of God and the Spirit. Self-exaltation. You know, I'm pretty awesome. <laughs> Writers realize, you know, I'm nothing. It's God through us. It's not about who I am. It's about who he is. Now, you say, why is that so important? Because we see a world that is so self-centered that they become very arrogant? Huh? The product of getting yourself on the pedestal is a whole level of arrogancy. Nobody tells me anything. I don't... Huh? I... You know, and you, you see it in society where people that have not been to a courtroom, have not witnessed all of the, all of the evidence, have not seen all of the tapes, have not heard all of the story, are easy to get on Twitter or on Facebook and say, this is terrible, this man ought to be shot, he ought to be... I how arrogant is it that I wasn't there? I don't like it, but I don't have to be the judge and the jury. You understand? Sure. If, if wow, if what I saw was true, no, that's not good. But at the same time, I, I'm not going to throw my... And yet, do we have a society that's doing that? You look at the arrogance of of where we are, the deceitfulness, the easy way to lie, manipulate. And individuals, you know, we call it spin, you call it telling partial truths, telling whatever you want to call it, but we have a, our society is full of deceitfulness, anger, physical, verbal attacks. I, this week I got a blurb on a news report. I've forgotten it. I don't remember. I didn't read it all. I just glanced at the headline that somebody had a birthday party for a child. I think it was in Colorado. And they didn't invite somebody. Well, that makes me mad. Let me load up my gun and go shoot six or seven of them. Huh? because I didn't get invited to a birthday party. The whole level, and I understand you say, well, that's always happened. We just know more about it. Well, I don't know. I feel like our whole world, the spirits are loose yes. right. Amen. of anger. 
Don't look at me wrong. Don't say anything wrong to me. You don't know. I'm, I'm fixing to go off on you. Immorality, you know, nothing, and I mentioned this last week, nothing's wrong. <clears throat> Viewing, participating, it doesn't matter. I, I'm okay, and I, whatever I choose, it doesn't matter what God has designated me as. That's the spirit that is out there, lacking fellowship. Well, I'll talk more about fellowship later tonight, but the early church, we like Acts 2.38. Keep reading. I've got it in my notes. They broke bread from house to house. You say, well, I don't. And I understand not always everybody can stay, not all. But who are you fellowshipping? Who are you inviting over? Who are you building a bridge to? Say, well, I, I don't want to eat with anybody. I'm afraid of COVID. Did you send a text to somebody? Have you sent a card? Have you prayed for it? Did you call them? Are you fellowshipping them? Say, well, let me tell you something. That's why I said COVID trying to separate us all, put us all behind a mask, put us all, and people are saddened. And I, we have Sister Phyllis and others that for a year, the last precious year of their life, I can only see you through the window. Brother Steve Wickline is here, and I, however long, I, it was hard for me to ever even get into the hospital. And I'm not saying, oh, well, you should just go through the hospital and say, I don't care, break down the door. I'm not saying that. But you can see the spirit that is behind some of this to isolate, to cause fear, to cause panic, so that I don't fellowship. Why? Because there's strength in the body. You say, well, I don't need it. Well, but somebody might need your strength. Somebody might need you to put your hand on them and pray and encourage them. But we're feeling isolation and withdrawal. Now, I get it. I understand that it's real, a lack of discipline. But, you know, I'll talk about fellowship later. Lack of discipline in all areas of the life. But it's very selfish. When I'm isolated, guess who I'm worried about? Guess who I'm thinking about? And if I am, I need to make sure so much the more as you see the day approaching, build a bridge. Send a blessing. Do something to connect to the body. Reach out. Man, I can't be there, but I was watching online. Praise God. I have people that'll send me a text every once in a while, usually almost after every service. Was watching tonight, Pastor. Thank you for the word. Thank you. They're staying connected to the body. Not just to me, but you know, you say, well, <laughs> that's our a very self, you see where self is being deified? Lack of discipline in all areas of life. 
not gonna, I don't, I don't want to discipline myself. I don't want to, I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it, how I want to do it. Bitterness, brooding, revenge. When you, when you feel these spirits, anxiety and fear, A lot of times, individuals that are anxious are, are they're blaming some reason, some body, somebody's circumstances for their lack of peace. And, and I'm going to talk about that tonight. Why? Because at some point, self-jealousy, belittling, criticizing others, we see all of these selfish things that are more prevalent now. Was everybody always, you know, yes, there was jealousy and, you know, I made better chicken pot pie than somebody else or I, oh, you know, I'm, but we're seeing it in such a powerful way in 2021 that it, we begin to realize, you know what, I have missed the fact that the Lord has come to bring me peace and to bring me joy. And, and that, he told Jesus himself, these are not my words. I didn't put them all in red letters because they would all be in red letters. But Jesus said all of these words, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart, your emotions be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You've heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again. If you love me, you would what? I don't like the news. I don't like the news that was brought to me. He said, if you love me, you'd rejoice. Why? Because I go into my father, for my father is greater than I. You said, well, I can't rejoice over what the doctor just said. You know what? You have to reach the point where you say, Lord, I don't know. The doctor just said this, but I know you're bigger than the doctor. And I don't know if this is where it's going to go, end up, but I'm going to go out praising you, number one. Number two, I know that if it's just this bad, it's, that means that you can perform a bigger miracle. Because what are you doing? I'm going to keep magnifying the Lord Keep magnet, is it easy? Oh, sure, just a snap to do this, huh? No, it's not easy. No, it's a trial. David said it like this, stand in awe, sin not, commune with your own heart on the bed, be still, selah, means read it again, think about it. Stand in awe, sin not, commune with your own heart on your bed, be still, be still, be still. Sometimes you have to tell yourself, be still. Brain, be still. I'm going to read the word. I'm going to turn the, the Bible text on, go to bed with that on my mind. I'm going to put on a song, a worship song. Be still. Quiet down. Oh, I'm being bombarded. Sure, guess what? I, You're not alone. 
sorts of reasons. He says, offer the sacrifice of righteousness. Does it ever cost sometimes to do what's right when you don't feel like doing what's right? Goes back to the sacrifice of praise, the sacrifice of righteousness. I don't want to do it. Put your, what does he say? Trust where? In the Lord. There be many that say, what's good in your life? If you looked at it from the natural, what's good? What's good in your life? Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. You know, that's part of the make your face shine upon us. Remember, we talked about the blessing. Lift up your countenance upon us. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increase. In other words, what I'm feeling inside is more than having money in the bank. It's more than having a, all of a sudden I got a windfall from the government. <laughs> I will both lay me down in what? Peace. Peace. And sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me to dwell in safety. Say, so, well, <clears throat> fear, anxiety, stress, all of these things. David said in Psalms 29, you can read it's 11, 11 verse chapter. He ends it by saying, the Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. John the 16th chapter, the hour is coming, yet now is, and yea, shall be scattered every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. Now notice what Jesus said here. He was just telling his disciples, he said, I'm fixing to go through something, and all people are going to be scattered, and I'm going to be alone. He said, yet I am not alone. Did he, did he later have feelings like he was alone? What did he say? My God, my God, why is thou? Yet he knew, and it, this is why the Bible talks about our heart, our emotions is desperately wicked. They're easy to deceive us. In the midst of it, he cried, oh, I'm overwhelmed. So when somebody says, Pastor, I'm in the midst of my trial and I'm losing the faith. You're not losing the faith. You're being bombarded. But that's what the body is there for. That's what the word is there for, to strengthen you, to say, hey, don't forget. Hang on. God is still with you. He hasn't left you. He is still able to make a way where there seems to be no way. That's why the fellowship becomes so vital. It's because all of a sudden, whenever I'm feeling like I'm about to lose Hallelujah. my grip, right. 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 sure, I know the Lord can do it. He did it for Jesus. The Spirit came down, ministered. But imagine.
imagine if when he would have been standing there at the cross, four or five of his disciples would have been able to say, hang on, Jesus. You're coming through this with a bride. Of course, they couldn't because they didn't get it. I understand. They didn't get what the trial was all about. But you see how, much, how blessed we are today? And I can send a text, pray for me. I'm going through it right now. I'm being overwhelmed. Huh? Can reach out. Say, well, they didn't reach out to me. Well, Jesus said, I know I'm not alone because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world, you're going to have what? But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Powerful verse. We remember it. We've read it. And yet here he is saying, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. <clears throat> Psalms 35. Let them be ashamed and brought to continued confusion together that rejoice in my hurt. Now what are you saying? I am saying that there are people that get joy from seeing other people go through stuff. That's not the kind of joy that the Lord gives. You understand? I mean, I've seen people that, you know, well, I knew they keep on, they're going to get it. I can just tell you what's going to happen. Oh, Lord, I don't want to have that kind of joy. I don't have joy when somebody else is going through a problem. And he goes on in Proverbs, Solomon said, Whoso mocks the poor report, reproaches his maker, and he that is glad at calamity shall not be unpunished. And I know, I, I've seen people that get tickled when somebody else, you know, hits their head or falls down. Or, and, and I understand, I Watch these people fall into the mud and ha, 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 ha. And it is funny. I confess. People have sent them to me and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, what would, it's going to happen. This one's going into the water. Now, you probably never laughed at that. Huh? But it's easy to get that in our spirit where my joy is from somebody. I don't want my joy to be from somebody else's. Sorry. Hold the mute button down. Stupidity. Huh? Probably already went out on the airwaves. I don't want to... And because if you're not careful, you start rejoicing. It's what Paul said in, to the Corinthians. Rejoice not in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth. I want my joy to be my greatest joy. To be around God. Sure, I know. Send me a video. That's right. My wife likes to watch animals, you know, jump off of little goats and dogs and cats and chase their their tail and run into the screen doors. She's not here tonight. She went down, took the grandkids to go see her mother. Her mother's 88th birthday is this Saturday. But, 
So don't tell her I talked about her on Wednesday night. I hope y'all can keep a secret. Or you'll be rejoicing in my calamity. Some can't wait to tell her what pastor said about you. Not anybody here. All of those online. David said in Psalm 16, Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. What are you saying? If I am, and that's one of the reasons why the Lord wants to isolate me and keep me from getting in the presence of God and everything going on and happening. Because if I could ever get into the presence of God, I remember the joy, the joy of being in his presence. And then I get to feeling a little bit what? The joy of the Lord is mine. I get to feel a little more strength. I haven't felt like I felt like I can't hardly lift my head. And then I got to worship in the Lord. Then I got to praise in the Lord. And all of a sudden I felt the joy of the Lord. And I whatever song I put on, whatever, I begin to praise him and raise my hand. Then all of a sudden I found myself in the joy of the Lord. And I felt stronger. And I felt like, you know what, Lord? We're going to come through this. I don't know how, but we're coming through it. So when you, you find, and of course my wife spoke Sunday about Job, but you know, he reached a point where he didn't have any joy, he didn't have any peace, he didn't have anything until he finally got another vision of the Lord. And yet Jesus told us, verily, verily, truly I say unto you, you shall weep and lament and the world shall rejoice and you shall be sorrowful. You say, well, I'm going through it. I'm weeping in the minute. But don't ever forget this is why when you come to the st street, you look left and you look right. And then you look left again when you're crossing the street. Remember? Unless you're in the UK. And then you look right and then you look left. Then you look right again. Because they come from that way. But why? Why do I keep looking for my future hope? Because my one day, my sorrow, weeping may endure for the night, but and then he uses the illustration, a work a woman that is travails in sorrow because her hours come, yet when she delivers the child, she forgets all the anguish for joy that a man is born in the world. Now therefore ye therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man takes from you. There is a joy of knowing what's coming my way. I know heaven is my destination, and no matter what I'm going through right now, it can put a smile on my face. It can put a joy. It can put a lift in my step. Why? Because I know one of these days I'm going to walk down a street of gold through a gate of pearl. I'm going to see the one that died on Calvary. And the joy of the Lord gives me strength. 
So, well, Paul, of course, wrote from jail to the church, to the Philippians. In the third chapter, he says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Then he gets to the fourth chapter and he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. When you read what he wrote in Corinthians, starting at about the fifth verse all the way through the tenth verse, and you can read all of them, but he talks about in afflictions and necessities and distresses and stripes and imprisonments and tumults. And then it begins to dawn on him. As dying and yet we live. As chastened but not killed. As sorrowful as poor, yet making many rich. How is he making so many rich? By telling them about the good news that Jesus came to die for their sins. Oh, and having nothing and yet possessing all things. Why? Because my joy is not in my stuff, the temporary stuff. As he said to the church at Rome, it's righteousness. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. Where? Holy Ghost. And you say, well, how does this have to do with changing my mind? Because when you, if you're going to change your mind and your thoughts, you're going to have to tap into the spirit, tap into the peace, tap into the joy. If you don't tap into that, I'm going to tell you, it is very difficult to get your mind refocused right. on the right perspective. Right. All you will see is the square in front of you. And you don't see what God is able to do <clears throat> A prayer that you want to pray, if you want to learn how to, if you want to quote a good prayer, go to Psalms 103. Start at verse 8 and pray it. Verse 14, Brother Men and I were talking about this today. It starts off, the Lord made known his ways unto Moses, his deeds to the children of Israel. And then he goes through this prayer. Basically, I call it a prayer. Read it slow. Think about it. If you, do, you say, well, I don't know how to pray anymore. I don't know what to ask for. I don't know. Start praying this prayer. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. Huh? Oh, what are you saying? He will not always chide. Neither will he keep his anger. For I'm going through it now. I don't know why I'm going. But Lord, you're not going to be angry forever. He hath not dealt with us after our I am so thankful, Lord, that you are not holding me accountable for all that I have done. Nor regard, rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heaven is above the earth, great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions, like a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. For he knows our frame considers we're dust. You can pray that prayer, say it again, read it again, read it again, read it again. 
read it again, read it again. About the fifth time, if it doesn't start changing your outlook, read it the sixth time, read it the seventh time. Why? Because I'm going to have to get a different perspective in this hour. The Lord is on my side. The Lord wants me to succeed. The Lord is after me for my good. The Lord wants to work it all out for my good. Oh, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I, I know. I don't, but I can tell you one thing. The Lord is for us. You say, well, I haven't felt that way. Well, hallelujah. In this hour, pray the prayer. And yet I understand. And you say, it's feeling the love of God. And you remember the church at Ephesus. He said, I know your works. You can work for God and fall out of love with God. You can labor for God and fall out of love for God. You can be patient and fall out of love. You can get mad at those that are liars and you can be perfect. You have patience again. Labor, not faint. And all of a sudden your heart's out of tune. So how do you get it back in tune? Remember. Remember the pit that you came from. Repent. Do the first works or else I'll come quickly. Repent. Well, what? And, and I, I, I saw this the other day and I, I, I have to apologize. We've had communion. We've had communion. We have it before Easter. We have it at the new year. We have it two or three times a year, whatever it is that just kind of, we, we didn't have it for almost a year and we probably had it three times already in the last six months, eight months, whatever it is. But the point is, I really had never seen how much of these same principles are in the communion scriptures. I talk about the communion scripture. This is my body. This is the blood of the New Testament. But notice what it said. You can read it in Corinthians. For I have received of the Lord that which I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus Christ, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. What was the Lord doing before they were fixing to go through their biggest trial? Huh? Fellowshipping. He even goes as far as to wash all their feet. He gave thanks, took bread, take, eat, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. He says, when you do it, think back to what I'm going to do for you. Remember me. When we take communion, we say, remember the blood, remember the cross. Said, do it. Remembrance of me, for as much as, as often as you eat the bread, drink the cup, you do show the Lord's death till he. Remember the cross and remember, I'm coming again. Remember when we started this, it was look left, look right, look left before you cross the street. Why? Because make sure no cars are coming. The UK and London, they have these big signs painted on the street. Look right, a big arrow. Because stupid Americans 
think that you drive cars on. And I've done it. I've almost gotten hit. I look left, look right, nothing's coming. Look left and step out, zoom around the corner. I'm like, you're on the wrong side of the road, buddy. But if there was ever a time for us in this hour to keep remembering what he did on Calvary and keep looking for his... So, well, let me go on. Let me show you what else he says. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat the bread, drink of the cup unworthily, that means who am I? And then he goes on and says, let him examine whom? If there was ever a time, and I, I read it tonight, let a man examine himself, whether he's in the faith. If there's ever a time for us to turn the spotlight on myself, I mean, I can find, I can find all the flaws in everybody else. I'm good at that. But let me explain something to you. If I'm going to see the flaw on somebody else, the light has got to be behind me, illuminating the flaw on them. But guess where it's not, because if the light was in my eyes, huh? I can't see any flaws. So when I'm able to see everybody else's flaws, it tells me which way I'm looking. And I'm sorry, ladies. Sister Melissa, wonderful, cleans our guest house. And I'm sorry, I hate to tell you this, but if you get it perfectly clean and then open the blinds on a bright sunny day. Huh? Oh my Lord. Look at all that junk in the air, much less. Huh? Why? Because the brighter the light, the more the flaw. Oh, but I don't, I need to examine myself. Talks about unworthily, unworthily, what kind of attitude, not discerning the Lord's body, not discerning the body, not discerning the body. Not recognizing the importance of the body. This is where the fellowship is. If we judge ourselves, we shall be judged. We'll be chastened of the Lord. And he goes on to say, and not be condemned with the world. And then it said, when you come together, tarry one for another. Pray one for another. You say, well, I've had my, I'm out of here. Snap, snap. I don't, I don't have time to, I don't have time to go to the altar. I don't have time to pray. And I know sometimes people were up against the clock and work and I get that. But oh Lord, don't let that become our spirit and in our thing. I, I, let me help. Let me pray. And I read, I quote, I told you at the beginning, these Acts scriptures, 43rd verse through the 47th, all the believers were together, continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness, singleness of heart, praising God. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. What he's saying in this hour, if there was ever a time that, that's why the Bible would say, so much the more as you see the day approaching. 
and I and I get it. And I, the, those of you that are online that can't be here, I'm not angry. I'm not frustrated. I'm not upset. I'm not preaching at anybody. Know my heart, but stay connected to the body. Text somebody. Build a bridge. Reach out. Let somebody find a way. What are you talking about? Because if there was ever a time we needed the body, it is in this hour. And well, how do you? And how do you deal with people? You know, I could be a great pastor if I didn't have to pastor people, and I'm a people. How do you deal with people? How do you respond? Well, here's what Paul told the church in Philippians. He said, esteem each other. Look on the concern, not merely for your own interest, but on the interest of others. Let the same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ. Let him be your example of humility, who, although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which makes God God, did not think this equality with God was doing, there was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained, but stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant, a slave, was born like a human in human form and then he abased himself and humbled himself further and went to obedience to the death of the cross. The death of the cross, not just to die, but the death of the cross. And I can't be nice to somebody and overlook some of their quirkiness. God help us. In this hour, by this you'll be known as my disciples, by your love. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, Paul starts it. We're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Throw away every weight and encumbrance that so easily attaches itself to us and let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race set before us. How are you going to do that? Keeping your eyes focused on whom? The Lord. Looking away from all that will distract us to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief. He is also the finisher of our faith, bringing it to maturity. He, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Just think of him who endured from sinners such grievous opposition and bitter hostility toward himself. When I'm going through it, think about what Jesus went through. Reckon up and consider it all in comparison to your trials so that you will not grow weary or exhausted, losing heart, relaxing, fainting in your minds, in your minds. It will weary your mind if you try to, if you don't do this. And then he said, I'm sorry, but you have not struggled or fought agonizingly against sin 
nor yet resisted to withstand to the point of pouring out your own blood. I'm sorry, whatever I'm going through, Lord, help me to find your peace. Help me to rejoice. Help me to stay connected. Help me in this hour because we're in an hour when our minds, when our hearts when our, are being overwhelmed, men's hearts failing them for fear. The Bible talks about this hour, talked about this hour. It's an hour that is here. It's, we are feeling it. We are seeing it. It is more prevalent now. Uh, you know, uh, in fact, Sister Bit Predmore texted me. We were talking about the funeral and upcoming arrangements. And she said, we've stopped at one or two gas stations in Tennessee and they're out of gas. When the pipeline, whatever. I saw an article that one out of four gas stations in South Carolina has no gas. All in a matter of one pipeline. One sabotage. One hack. Huh? Oh! I don't know if you noticed, but it went from 250 to 280. What'll happen tomorrow? I don't know. 310? I don't know. All I know is, guess what? I gotta keep my focus on Who's in control of all of this? The Russian hackers aren't. Well, Biden is. Biden's not. Trump's not. I don't. You know what? I don't know what we'll go through. I don't know what the next, you know, somebody said that they're now going to say you can vaccinate kids 12 to 18. And uh, uh, this, this pastor in Maine was telling me today, he said his doctor told him we're going to see this whole explosion of all kinds of things from all these people getting vaccinated. I said, well, thank you. That's an encouraging word. I had both of my shots. I'm not telling you to get your shot or don't get your shot, but what I'm trying to tell you is at some point I got to put my faith more than in the shot or more than in the Democratic Party, the Republican, it doesn't matter what party it is. It doesn't matter. I, my faith, my eyes, my hope, my... Hallelujah. Lord, you know where we are. You know what we're going through. You know what's going on in this world. You are able still to speak peace in the midst of the storm. You are able to say, be calm and be still. I may be walking to church, riding a bike. You know what? Hallelujah. Might keep me from uh, gaining too many too much excess weight from eating cheesecake, sister. She brought me a big pot of soup and a cheesecake Sunday or and Tuesday, the soup. I ate too much. What are you saying? I'm saying if there was ever an hour, we got to keep our focus on the Lord. It's this hour we're living in. Let's stand.
Let's ask the Lord to bless us. Let's just raise our hands. Oh, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your many blessings. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for what we feel. Thank you, Lord, for the touch of the Holy Ghost. We know.